the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDio. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 188. I am your host, Sussan, and today I have with me... Uh, this is Ed. And this is Stella. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from May 1st through May 28th. We have a total of three books to cover, including DC Universe Rebirth, um, and we have a little bit of comic news. So let's just dive straight into comic news. So obviously it's been a little bit of a time since the last time we talked. Uh, despite that, we don't have a whole lot that's actually occurred in the last month. Uh, as far as solicitations go, uh, we have, uh, starting off with collected editions, uh, DC released their advanced solicitations for Batman-related graphic novels and trades that were released through September and October of 2016. Uh, collected editions include current and former ongoing titles, including Batman Beyond Volume 2, Trade Paperback, Batman Volume 8 Trade Paperback, Harley Quinn Volume 4 Trade Paperback, Justice League Volume 7 Trade Paperback, Son of Batman Volume 1 Trade Paperback, Suicide Squad Most Wanted Katana Trade Paperback, Titans Hunt Trade Paperback, as well as other collected editions that predate or outside the main DC line, including Batman Arkham Knight Genesis Trade Paperback, Justice League 3001 Volume 2, and Poison Ivy Cycle of Life and Death Trade Paperback. Uh, outside of those, there are a couple of other ones, including Batman Arkham Poison Ivy trade paperback collecting various classic Poison Ivy stories. Uh, there's one for the art of DC Comics bombshells, which is a collection of cover art created especially for bombshells line of comics collectibles. Uh, that will be priced $39.99. The DC Universe by Neil Gaiman, Gaiman by Neil Gaiman deluxe edition hardcover for $29.99, which collects various Gaiman stories from across his career featuring Batman and other and many other characters. A new collector's edition of The Dark Knight Returns for $49.99. Harley Quinn's Greatest Hits trade paperback, uh, collecting, obviously, Harley Quinn stories. Superman, Batman, The Saga of the Super Sons trade paperback, starring the sons of Batman and Superman from the pages of a variety of world's finest issues. And a new omnibus for Silver Age Teen Titans, uh, priced at $75. We have the full list over on the website for you to take a look at. Uh, outside of that, uh, heading into the main solicitations. Now, if you were on the website, we have uh, a new way of reporting the solicitations. Uh, it's called the TBU Comics Guide for whatever the month is. This month that we're reporting would be August 2016. Um, basically, what you can expect is a rundown of the schedule of when the comics will release, what's uh, new that's starting out as well as what will be ending within that month uh then we'll be covering other solicitation notes and news as far as anything that's been resolicited or has been changed uh as far as that has previously been solicited so that would be resolicited uh story notes and and covers so anything that based off of just the solicitations and the covers any story points that are worth noticing we'll we'll make a mention of those and then finally uh we'll talk about the creator information so any creator changes as far as the regular uh artists or writers that are attached to the titles uh we'll be making a mention of those for august we have a list of all the creators attached to the books going forward but um as you know the uh 
as 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 we go on with the comics guide, it will be changing. So what we'll discuss here on the podcast is not so much uh, the creator stuff this time around because there's because it's just a giant list of all the creators, but uh, some of the story points and some of the new series. So in August we will be seeing All Star Batman number one, Batgirl, and the Birds of Prey number one, which does have a rebirth issue in in uh, July. Harley Quinn will date the new Harley Quinn will debut Red Hood Outlaws. The new version Suicide Squad Rebirth will launch along with Suicide Squad number one um, Suicide Squad was wanted El Diablo and booming and uh, Suicide Squad War Crimes special, which is a one shot. Uh, these will all be either new or just coming out for the first time in August. Um, as far as the, the uh, story points this time around, um, there's not a there's not a ton because ex- except for some of these newer titles, uh, for All Star Batman, Batman will begin to take Two Face to a destination outside of Gotham City with every assassin and bounty hunter out to kill Batman. Batgirl number two brings Batgirl to Singapore as she dives into the world of MMA fighting under the guidance of an ancient superhero named Fruit Bat. Batgirl and the Birds of Prey finds Batgirl, that canary and Huntress, all after the same criminal, using the name of Oracle, but for different reasons and with a different and with different goals in mind. Uh, in Batman number four and five, we see Batman continuing to struggle with whether to trust the new team of heroes in Gotham and answer the question of what kind of goth, what kind of hero Gotham deserves as the first arc of the new title comes to an end. Um, Detective Comics sees Batman, Batwoman, and their team continuing to fight against the colony. Harley Quinn starts a new story called Die Laughing as Harley deals with zombies on Coney Island. Nightwing will see a new mentor named Raptor working for the Parliament of Owls with Batgirl trying to convince Dick the error of his ways. And Red Hood, will, we will see Jason proving that he belongs in Gotham's criminal underworld in order to go after Black Mask. As far as DCU titles, we see in over in Justice League that an ancient intelligence hive, mind called the Awakened, has turned citizens of the world against anyone with superpowers, forcing Batman to turn to the one man he trusts less than anyone for help. Um, and then there's a bunch of different things going on with Suicide Squad, obviously because Suicide Squad, the film, comes out in August. Um, but then over in Titans, we see that uh, the team is preparing to do the unthinkable to fight the person who stole time itself from the DCU. So could that mean mm. what we will talk about in a little while? But uh, we'll see. So um, anything worth noting or discussing that I just talked about? I, I think that they, they're intentionally vague at this point. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's nothing that really jumps out except that you know we're, there's a ton of Suicide Squad, which like you said, the movie's coming out, so that's, that's to be expected. you know. Um, but other than that, it looks like just more rolling out rebirth and i think it's gonna be it's gonna be weird because i didn't even think about this we'll have a stack numbering now remember forever it was like grayson it was all number one number two you know what i'm saying like all the titles have the same number but with the rollout now you'll have some on two some on three some on one so uh but yeah there's nothing really jumps out here all-star batman looks great no surprise there but uh yeah all right and then so Anything else that popped up over the course of the month of May, there's a bunch of DC All Access videos. There's one for the top 10 things you need to know before Rebirth. Uh, there was one with a uh, discussion with Jeff Johns about Rebirth. There was one top 10 DC Rebirth moments. And then there was a interview with Tom King about Batman Rebirth and Batman going forward. Uh, so you can check out all those videos on the website. The only other comic bit of news 
Uh, we had a TBU exclusive. There was an interview that was done by Donovan uh, over on the website. He talked with Chuck Dixon about everything related to the Batman universe. It's a very, very lengthy interview. If you haven't read it, I implore you to go check it out. There's a lot of tidbits here and there about the falling out between Chuck Dixon and DC Comics. Um hints at what he wanted to do with certain characters such as Stephanie Brown that he was unable to do um, whether or not he was pleased with some of the media incarnations of the characters that he has created since he's created or been involved in a number of different characters uh, Stephanie Brown Bane he's been involved in a lot of characters so um, definitely check out the interview if you haven't uh, very very good interview I'd say right on par with uh, the Devin Grayson one we did about two years ago it's good yeah it's, it's really good all right, so with that, I don't have any other comic news. Unfortunately, we don't have the numbers up yet from April. Hopefully, we'll have those uh, by the next time, by the next episode. But we do have a lot to discuss when it comes to at least one of the three books we're talking about here. So before we get into the book that's probably going to take a, a ton of time up, uh, let's jump into the first two, which are Detective Comics. Uh, let's review that first. Detective Comics number 52, R. Gordon at War, Part 2. Story and words by Peter J. Tomasi. Pencils by Fernando Pissarin. Inks by Matt Ryan. And colors by Chris Sotomayor. Jim finishes telling Julia his story regarding the cult and weird ritual that we saw at the end of the previous issue. When he finishes, he is quickly rescued from his current predicament, uh, crash in the sand, sand filling the vehicle, by his old squad. Julia sends the bat suit and it plops down in the desert. He puts it on and Batman, along with Gordon's old squad, go to the tomb, rescue some soldiers, and encounter yet another ritual. This time, Amonset is being mummified in the Emotep mummy sort of way. After the process is complete, Amonset, along with his minions, attack Batman and the others and seems unstoppable until Batman sets him on fire and makes him vulnerable. The troops shoot him and bury the tomb. Stateside, Jim visits the wife of one of his dead colleagues, probably the one who died at the beginning of issue 51, and gives her his dog tags. And he states that this is the worst part of the job. So after this two-issue story arc, I wondered, uh, what it, what was the point of this particular story? Uh, what can be taken away from this story into the next chapter of Jim's life. I'm unsure that anything can be taken away from this story. Um, you know, I think we talked about this last month where we didn't really feel like this story was really the story that really needed to be told at this point in time, knowing that Rebirth was right on the corner and the creative team was leaving the book. This isn't really a story to end a run on a title on, um, but that's what it was. I don't really feel like anything happened in this story that I can sit back and think to myself, yes, this is, uh, this is definitely something that's going to affect Jim for the foreseeable future. Um, it was a, it was a throwaway story. Um, and I, you know, I wish that they could have done a little bit more. Um, I, I think back to, I believe it was Nightwing that Pierre Tomasi was on right before the new 52 and his final issue of Nightwing whether it was right before the month right before New 52 or if it was a couple months before. But he was, he was on one of the titles that ended right before. And the last issue had him, had uh, Bruce Wayne and basically Dick, Tim, 
Jason and Damien all sitting and having, uh, you know, watching a movie together. And it was a really emotional moment for the family because it showed how much, how important the Bat family really is all to all together, all to each other. And this story had the ability to do something like that, tell a really good story involving Jim and Barbara and they chose to go a completely different route where Barbara wasn't involved other than a cameo at the beginning of the first uh, issue of the arc. But uh, I don't I don't think that uh, this was a worthwhile story. It, it may have fit better if it had happened before the end of uh, Super Heavy, you know, um, at least then it would have been a Jim side story. It doesn't it doesn't kind of fit. Well, it, it's. I will say it's it's there is some niceness to seeing a little bit more of, of Jim as a as part of his military tradition. We don't get to see we know he's a Marine. I mean, we, that's an accepted part of the, of the character, but we don't get to see it a whole lot. So it's nice to kind of see a little bit of that there. Um, the thing with the dog tags is, is kind of nice. But overall, this was, I think, obviously a story that we got two issues. Kind of like Dustin said, we got two issues. We got to wrap it up. So tell something quick, tell something easy and. And do it with Jim and Gordon. I'm kind of surprised we didn't see Tomasi do a family piece, but this is what we got. Um, it's not atrocious or anything. It's just not very memorable. Uh, yeah, that's un- <laughs> the unfortunate thing. And, and I know we talked about it in the, in the previous episode as well, but now that it wrapped up, I wondered if your opinions had changed. And I think that this is such an important piece in Jim's life that it would have been great to end on this note, I think, but not with this particular story. I think you know, if we're to take anything away from it, it's how Jim was in the military and really it's the same type of guy that he is now, just with the, the camaraderie that he has with his fellow soldiers and how that continues even if he's apart from them. And in this case, you know, they added sort of this mystical element. So I can only say that his military uh, background is what we can take away, but it's certainly not... Um, the best unfortunately uh and that's that was really my only question my other one was was this a worthwhile story or fitting for the last story that we'll see him in but i feel like maybe that was sort of wrapped in with the the previous question as well all right so i'm going to give this issue a total of three out of five Uh, mr generous i'm gonna go two out of five and i'll split the difference and give it 2.5 out of five over on the website corbin gave it three and a half out of five so that's going to give detective comics number 52 a total of two and a half out of five batterings let's move into our next book batman batman number 52 writer jt3 artist riley rossimo Pretty sure I said that wrong. Um, this story opens up in the days following the Wayne murder. Uh, Dr. Leslie Tompkins is meeting with Alfred and trying to help Bruce move on. And she suggests he has this journal and he writes in it things that he needs to move on with. Uh, years later, we kind of skip forward. We see Bruce in Japan uh, doing some training and still carrying the book that Dr. Tompkins gave him all those years ago and the things that he wrote about in it. Uh, we then cut to the present day and we see Batman use the skills that he learned in the Japanese flashback. To disappear, um, Batman's following uh, Crypsis, a type of a bright pink techno- technologically based thief. Uh, seems to have a bit of a code, has an opportunity to kill someone, but that he doesn't need to kill and, and says he doesn't kill if he doesn't have to. Um, we then cut back to more training with Bruce, and each time we see this book that Dr. Leslie had him work on uh, through the flashback sequences. 
Um, we also see that Alfred tells him that the security uh, box that was robbed was one that Batman had tagged long ago to be observed. Um, and then we just see uh, some various flashbacks to, to training for, of Bruce when he was young as Batman pursues uh, Crypsis across the city. Of course, the, the obvious thing is what we revealed that he stole out of the box was this journal that uh, Bruce had put in there for safekeeping. Um, Batman finally sub- subdues the thief. Uh, who at this point realizes there's just a, a notebook in there and is pretty upset. He thought this was, you know, Bruce Wayne's secret treasure, and it's just a notebook. Um, then we, we we flash to the cave. We see Alfred when Batman with the book, and we see the final entry, number 52, aptly named. Uh, Remember, your parents will always be proud of you. And two pretty quick things in this one, really. Uh, one is we've had two really back-to-back small stories in a row. We had the Scott Snyder wrap-up last month, the One Quiet Night in Gotham, and then we have this one. And um, I was just wondering how are you guys feeling about – I know something we had multiple complaints about sometimes even for me was the length of the story arcs, kind of tying on to Detective too. We've seen like several really short stories and some single-issue stories, which are super rare in comics now. And just you know, how do you guys kind of like this change in very short stories? I mean, I'm sure we're about to get some long ones, but uh, what do you think about these short form stories? You know, I have always been I've always been keen to the idea of having only like three, four issue story arcs. That's kind of the max. Scott Snyder kind of changed everything during the New 52 with his nine to 15 issue story arcs. Um, but I think that having two issues back to back that are just kind of single stories. It's a, it's a, it's a refreshing difference than what we've been definitely accustomed to over the past five years. Um, I think that, you know, not specifically talking about this story, but I think that it's nice to have shorter stories. Occasionally, it's not something that I want to have every single month, but I think that it works, um, for certain, for, for certain stories, um, you know, talking about detective comics, they, they also have had, I think it was, it was two issue story arc right before the end. And then it was, or, you know, these last two issues last month and this month. And then previously before that, it was a three issue story arc. And then it was, I think three issues and then two issues before that. So it has been very short. And for the most part, like, I don't mind those. I think it's easier for a writer to tell a full fledged story in, in a, you know, it's hard to do that only in one issue, unless it's somehow a really oversized issue. Um, but I think that writers have, you know, giving them the ability to use a certain number of issues, as long as they're not told you have to do this in X amount of issues, I think it works out fine. Um, we've seen plenty of issues where somebody tells a story and it takes four issues where it could have taken three if they just took out, you know, nonsense that didn't need to be there. Um, so for, for this, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I think it's a, it's a refreshing, um, it's a refreshing difference than what we've seen for a long time. I like the, the little smaller issues, the, the one shots, as long as there's a purpose with them, I think. And, and it's a story that can be told in one issue. Cause I think we've seen sometimes stories that are rushed in order to meet that, that one issue maximum. And what's nice about these previous two ones is that I felt like, or I feel like the tone is certainly brighter than we've seen. Um, you know, with, with some of these previous stories, like even this one, uh, we, we get some glimpses of Batman and his training. And, you know, we've seen Batman in training before, but certainly different ones. I mean, for goodness sakes, he's 
standing naked in a yes. uh, in a waterfall yes, in Alberta, Canada. <laughs> so I've never seen that before. You know, my my heart thrummed a little bit. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, so so brighter things, and the fact that you know it's going after this notebook, and you have the dark and gloomy Bruce. But then there's this uplifting thing at the end and something that Alfred wasn't even aware that he had kept because he had taped it back in. And the fact that he thinks it's so precious that he would put it into a a security box, you know. So I I like this format, especially because it tells a a good story and it's not a downer of a story. So, yeah, I enjoyed this. Yeah, I I enjoy these. Um I think I can really let myself enjoy them because I know that we're going to be getting back to the long form storytelling here in a couple months. Um, and I think that, you know, this is something we talked about right when rebirth was announced, right? That they were going to have these, these issues that were going to be filler issues. And some of the comics go on even longer that aren't getting a rebirth for a couple months. So I think this was kind of the only thing you were going to get stuck with was these filler issues. And, and I think that if you look at the way they handled them on the Batman title, I think it was a superior way than handling them detective. Um, the only other real point I have is we have all these Bruce Wayne training flashbacks. Um, this may all be a mute point uh, if we find out what happens after the rebirth continuity. Um, but since in the new 52, Bruce is younger and didn't have as much time to train. If you look at this, the stuff from zero year, is there really any more room to explore Bruce in training? I mean, haven't we kind of filled up that timeline as full as it can be? I don't, Tricky, huh? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to answer that exactly. I, I would go off my, my perception of this is why, if you wanted to tell a story and it requires flashbacks, why not do it? This is actually probably the most perfect time to do it, especially James Tanyan knowing what's going to happen since he's going to be on detective comics. He had to be at least somewhat into the loop as to, you know, some of the changes coming, maybe not everything, but some of the changes. So, you know, if you are going to tell a story that involves time and potentially, you know, basically ask, not ask, but like hint at questions that should be asked about the timeline, this is probably the one month where people aren't going to be as noticing the timeline after uh, the end of the month. So, it's it's funny because non-comic people that I associate with, because you know can't really get around that, they often ask, you know, why why do we have to see this origin story again? And um, you know that's f- for the Batman movies, you know, for the Spider-Man movies and things like that. You know why why? And I think it's because writers and creators like to, even though it's. Um, not necessarily original, they like to make, I think, their mark on some part of the origin story and try to look at it from a different angle. So if there's a way that they can sort of slip in their creativity, I think that they're going to do it. And just like I said, you know, I've seen trading sequences. We all read Batman Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I think wasn't Zero Year all the backups were Training. involving... Yep. Yeah, training. So, you know, it's not like we've not seen it, but these are different ones that, you know, I've, I've not necessarily seen. But can we do this anymore? I, I, I think we can. You know, let's be honest. They can probably always find something. But should we? No. I think there are more important story points to put focus on rather than just, you know, him becoming Batman. I think it's 
it's not necessarily the journey now. I think we've seen that so much. It's it's the actual, you know, once he's Batman, what does he do? What does he get there? Now, that's not to say that, you know, I, I'd be interested to see more about his time off. You know, if we are going back to pre-Flashpoint, it'd be interesting to see um, his, uh, what's that called? His sabbatical. Yes. Um, you know, during Infinite Crisis. But, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to get that or post-Infinite Crisis. But, you know, so, yes, we can do it, but I don't think we should. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with Stell on this. I've, I've seen Batman trained to death. I mean, unless there's a critical reason to see it, and I don't mind the story. I don't think it's it's bad, but but we've had him, you know, apprentice with all kinds of people and globetrot over the world, and and um, I think this part of, of his life, like I said, unless there's a, a reason to draw a connection to something that's going on, is uh, I think I've seen enough of it. So that's all I got for this little one. Can I just say also that um, just Leslie Tompkins' hair at the very beginning. Amazing. Did anyone – wasn't it bizarre looking? It was, was uh, it fashionable, I guess, at the time. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was yeah. – um, I thought that was interesting. I didn't recognize her as Leslie immediately. I'm like, there's this weird chick. Oh, it's Leslie Tompkins. Yeah. All right. So, Batman, uh, I'm going to give this one a total of three and a half out of five. That sounds about right. Three and a half. It's, it's good. I'm going to give it a four. Ooh. And over on the website, Corbin gave it four and a half, so it's going to give Batman number 52 a total of three and a half out of five. All right, so that's going to move into our main event. DC Universe Rebirth, number one. This one was written by Jeff Johns with art by the following artists. I'm not going to break it down by chapter, but uh, the following artists contributed to this issue, uh, specifically in artists, credit, or penciler. Uh, Gary Frank, Ethan Van Skyver, Ivan Rice, Phil Jimenez, and those are the the main ones. Um, this issue takes place... Um, at an undetermined time, but uh, basically it's broken into chapters, and each chapter has a specific, uh, I guess the way to put it would be a specific um, theme. So chapter one is called Lost, and chapter one, uh, Wally opens the store narrating over images of a watch hand handed down to him by his family, telling us that he used to have hope until the watch broke and he lost time. He then says everyone did, include introducing the central mystery of the issue. Someone has stolen time. Uh, then the view then switches to Earth from space, and the line Jeff Johns revealed when Rebirth was announced uh, is quoted, saying, I love this world, but there's something missing. He gives us a quick recap of his origin, lonely among his family, meeting the Flash, becoming a hero, having a lightning rod in his life uh, in in Linda Park. Wally then sees uh, Bruce Wayne in the Batcave searching for news of Superman after the confrontation with Doomsday. Batman also muses about the recent discovery that there are three Jokers, um, which was talked about in Justice League number 50. If you haven't, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little while. But um, there are three Jokers, and Batman's trying to figure that out. Wally hopes that the world's greatest detective can solve the mystery of the missing time, um, and he tries to present himself, but Batman does not recognize Wally. Uh, the destruction of Darkseid has allowed Barry to attempt to contact with reality, even though this attempt is very costly. 
In a scene very similar to The Flash's warning to Bruce in Batman vs. Superman, Wally appears in a tangle of Speed Force lightning and begs Bruce to remember him. Batman can't, and Wally is reeled back into the Speed Force, shouting for Bruce to remember Thomas Wayne's letter. Um, specifically, if if you don't get the reference, it's the letter that uh, Bruce Wayne received at the very end of Flashpoint. As he leaves, he remembers more details about his origin, including meeting Barry Allen, the Flash, gaining his powers, joining the Teen Titans, taking on the full mantle of Flash, Barry's return, and then even Flashpoint. As the world recovered from the resetting of the timeline, someone stole 10 years from everyone's lives. Uh, we then go into Chapter 2, which is called Legacy. In a retirement hold, an old embodiment of the Speed Force named Johnny Thunder is Wally's next attempt at contacting and having someone recognize him. Unfortunately, the old man's sanity is questioned by an ignorant public, and so Wally can't break through to him. Uh, Meanwhile, a young woman tells Maggie Sawyer and the police that she's seen the future. Ryan Choi, assistant to Professor Ray Palmer, discovers that his teacher's absence is because he's trapped as the atom shrinking into the microverse and needs Ryan to take his backup shrinking tech to rescue him. Ted Cord assists young Jimmy Reyes with their shared identity as the Blue Beetle, and Dr. Fate tells Cord that Jaime's implanted scarab is magical, not technological. Damian Wayne, as Robin, turns 13. As Jessica attends to her duties as Green Lantern, Jackson acknowledges his identity as Aqualad. Pandora, one of the major symbols of the creation of the New 52 universe, flees desperately from an unseen threat. She references the myth of Pandora, who opened the box containing all evil, and specifically says that she unleashed the the horrible worldview of her pursuer, but when everything was over, there was still one thing left in her box, hope, specifically the hope that superheroes provide. Her words prove her to be her last as the force obliterates her in a glory blaze of blue light, leaving a speckled pattern on the snow. Uh, We then cut to chapter three, which is called Love. Wally continues observing as an evil-looking woman holds an infant containing Darkseid in some sort of form, which is also hinted at in Justice League number 50, and speaks of Wonder Woman's twin brother, Jason, also from uh, Justice League number 50. Wonder Woman herself mourns the death of Superman along with all other heroes, and Wally muses about Black Canary and Green Arrow, who both feel like they know each other but have never actually met. Elsewhere, the Superman the Superman transported to the New 52 universe in Convergence, along with his wife Lois Lane and their son John, uh, observes the death of the double Superman. A hooded figure calling himself Mr. Oz tells him that nothing is as it seems, and while he shifts away to watch... Aquaman proposed to Mira, leading to a great joy in reality, something happening the way it should have happened before. Then he sees Linda Park, his love, his lightning rod to reality, and he tries to reach her. But unfortunately, she can't remember him either, and he vanishes again, completely heartbroken. Chapter 4 is called Life. While he tumbles through reality, flashes from Gotham, where mysterious duo look at the bat signal, hinting at uh, the upcoming hero team of Gotham and Gotham Girl. Uh, we see the it, we see the swamp where Constantine and Swamp Thing are going to join forces to raise AB Arcane. Captain Boomerang is in prison. Vic Sage and Dick Grayson, former teammates, and his cousin, also named Wally West, who is a member of the Speed Force. Caught between hope and despair, he finally finds Barry Allen, the man who started the whole problem. Wally appears, gives his mentor the message about Batman's letter from Flashpoint, 
version. Then thanks Barry for everything as he's about to allow himself to disappear forever. Barry reaches out and says his name with that with that struggle. Barry and Wally pull themselves. Barry pulls Wally into reality and the two flashes embrace in a hug. Wally tells Barry that that the lost time and relationship aren't the Flash's fault, but someone else's entirely. Uh, meanwhile, at the Batcave, Batman is he he uh, finds the letter that uh, that Wally was referencing, but he ends up finding something else glistening in the cave wall, and he comes across a comedian pin with a blood splatter mark. In the epilogue, we switch from the Earth to Mars, where we see Wally's family watch fall from the red dirt. It floats up in the air, starts becoming disassembled and reassembled. And as we see, the hands begin to tick backwards to a quarter of a midnight. And we hear two voices say, I did the right thing, didn't I? It all worked out in the end. And then someone else responds, in the end, nothing ends, Adrian. Nothing ever ends. Okay, so a lot to cover. Yeah, there's a lot to cover. So specifically, before we get too in depth as to the repercussions throughout the entire Batman universe, specifically dealing with this one issue, we're going to talk about some of the things that happened in this issue that relate to the Batman universe specific. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is it was mentioned in Justice League number fifty. If you didn't read it, we'll have a quick. Uh, we'll have a quick breakdown of what happened in Justice League 50 when we get to our Greater Gotham for all the other books that happened um, in the month of May. But basically, in Justice League 50, if you it was actually not in Justice League 50, but many many months ago, it was when Batman first took over the Mobius chair in Justice League. He asked the question of who's what's the real identity of the Joker, and the response that was given shocked him. But we weren't privy to know who it was. Well, it was revealed in Justice League number 50 that the Mobius chair responded that there are three different versions of Joker. There's the Jerry Robinson Joker, um, the Joker that you know existed when Joker first was created. There's the Joker that basically is the Brian Boland version from The Killing Joke. And then there's the Joker that was just recently done with Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Uh, those are the three versions. It's not specifically naming them as those versions, but the art that is shown specifically relates to those three different Jokers. So real quick, talking about the Jokers, um, I know that this is going to come up at some point. Who knows when? Yeah. But the thought of there potentially being three different Jokers in the in, in the universe. I mean – it's it's a different concept. I mean, I, I guess if you're trying to weave all these different tapestries back together, I don't know. I mean, I've seen some people hypothesize that it's just the Joker has three different personalities, and that's what there is mean by three different Jokers. But to me, it seems fairly clear that these are three completely different um, Jokers. So I don't know. I mean, I guess it really is going to depend where they go with it. You know, I mean, it could be super cool. It could be super lame. Um it does seem weird that only the Jokers had this fracture. We don't have three Supermen. I mean, we do with them different Earths. We don't have, you know, there's not a bunch of different versions of other characters. Um, I don't think that anything was done in the New 52, which would have required you to, to fracture him like this. Unless, of course, they wanted to let Snyder still play with his, his version of the Joker and bring a classic Joker into other stories. Um, I guess it's really going to figure how it pans out. I mean... The tease is interesting, but without knowing where they're going with it, I can't, you know, I don't really know what to say. 
But yeah, I mean, this detail along with everything else is, is pretty weird. And, and I think in terms of just this issue, there's no real answer for it. I was just hanging out with some people today and, and they asked, what do you think about, you know, three, three jokers, maybe all of them, you know, shot Barbara, maybe none of them, you know. And I was thinking, you know, that's that's interesting because, you know, what if one of those three caused the killing joke, but then the other two had nothing to do with it. The fact that there are, if there are three Jokers in the world is horrifying, and I don't know why you would want to do that. I understand people really like the Joker. I just personally don't. Um, but it also would make, I guess, better sense of what Snyder was doing. Um, though, looking back, because I'm sure they had no plans for this when no. he was starting off. But just the fact that, you know, he cut off his face and then put it back on, and then he was healed, like, you can be like, oh, well, that makes sense. And then that also brings into play the guy that's sitting on the bench and he's like, well, it's not time yet. So I guess it, it gives you story potential, basically multiple story potential. And it's sort of like Marvel on for instance, it's not as bad as it has been, but Wolverine will be like in so many books and you're sort of wondering like, how is he able to do all these things at the same time? And you're like, well, he can't really. So I think it gives, it's sort of that symptom where if Joker can be multivariable and have these different personalities and everything, then this can physically uh, explain that because there are different jokers um but as for you know i i i don't know i think it's too soon to really come up with a good theory i i, I don't have a, a really good theory either um my only real wonder is you know what made them determine these three jokers um you know the jerry robinson as the classic joker because that was the way the joker was initially made obviously if you take that one you compare it to the brian boland alan moore joker from killing joke they're on completely different spectrums yeah i mean there's there's <laughs> there's no question about Very that true. and in some ways i would say that you know snyder and capullo's joker is probably at least some way you know in the middle of that i wouldn't say it's as bad as the killing joke joker but uh, it's definitely not on the other end of the spectrum with the Jerry Robinson Joker. But I have to just wonder to myself, you know, the maybe it's all going to be explained because of the time shifts. You know, we have Christ's on Infinite Earths, uh, the New 52 with Flashpoint. Um, maybe this is how it's explained. You know, basically the initial crisis on Infinite Earths in the 80s was the shift that caused there to be two jokers and then flashpoint caused there to be yet another joker and maybe that'll be how it explains that's the only real thought that i had when uh thinking about it so i'll just leave it at that uh the other i will say one thing i want to say about it though that that could come off as kind of clever if they play it right was remember part of the killing joke and and other joker lore has always been he has a choose your own Yes. You know, like he has it, it could be any type of origin. You, you could choose your own origin. Maybe it's the killing joke origin. This could be a very clever way to play with that. Like, I'm not even sure how you do it, but th- like there is maybe something there of the Joker's never had a definitive origin. And there may be all these different versions could be true or not true. I think there could be something there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what it is, but a clever writer might have fun with it. And I cannot even believe that the person they wouldn't let play with this would be Snyder. Right. I mean, this thing's right up his alley. Um, now we, I know we have that seventeen-part Two-Face story coming up. Um, yeah, but I don't think you know it'll be Snyder who actually explores this at all. I honestly feel like this is either going to be a Jeff Johns story that we're not going to see for quite some time, or because he's not writing anymore. 
Yeah, but yeah, he's basically taking a undetermined break from writing comics uh, for the foreseeable future. At least that's what he's telling everybody. Who knows? Maybe he could return for you know this mini uh, a mini series or something. Fabix still is not on book, and I have a hard time believing that Jason Fabix off of Justice is not going to be on something. He can't just not work at all after being on that you know a title that big. So there's still the question. There's still the question of you know what is he going to be on? Could it end up being the Joker miniseries? Um, there there really hasn't been any from anybody on, in regards to that. But I don't know that you know writing a miniseries or something of that nature. You know maybe next next year, early 2017 or something, is that far fetched? Considering it would it still gives him plenty. You know Jeff Johns plenty of time to take his break that is he's doing. But I don't see this being. Story because Snyder is it's one of his jokers is involved. I don't think that Snyder is the person to walk into a story and be able to tell here. Okay, this is this is going to come across as as very crass, but basically, I don't look at Snyder and think to myself, he can walk into something and really you know, uh, work with the legacy of something. Um, now, not not that he can't you know, tell good stories with the with the character. But there's been plenty of situations where he's adjusted origins, whether that was editorial mandated, editorial editorially mandated or not. I don't look at Snyder as the type of person who works well with legacy. Do you think that um, there is almost an inevitable thing that we're going to have like a Joker war, like the three Jokers fight each other? I mean, doesn't that sound like almost like the one that wins will be the definitive Joker? Can you almost see that happening? I could, but I can't even imagine which one of them would actually win. Yeah, I don't know how that would pan out, but it's weird. It's certainly weird. It's interesting. Um, and like I said, it could be something we look back in two years from now and go, man, that was super cool. Or we could we go back and go, remember that three Joker thing? That was kind of dumb. So, don't know. All right. So, the other real quick two points that uh, were brought up here um, that relate to Batman and the Batman universe is Damien turns 13. And the fact that uh, we see Black Canary and Green Arrow together, um, not necessarily together, but recognize seeing each other and feeling like they have met each other, but it, within the new confines of the New 52 have never been in a relationship. Um, so those are the two things outside of, you know, Batman making an appearance. Um, so my my guess on the Robin turning 13 is that's just basically a hint because he's going to be going you know heading over to the teen titan so he obligatorily has to turn 13 and be a teenager in order to be part of the teen titans um the green arrow black canary um you know i'm glad that they're going to put those two back together um you know solicitations for green arrow rebirth as well as green arrow going forward include black canary in a much larger role well, I should say a role because she didn't have a role in the pre new fifty two or in the in the new fifty two stuff. Um, but she's going to have a major role in that series as she should, um, based off of the history of the character. So that you know, that's good to see. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on either one of those things? I'm extremely glad about the Green Arrow Black Canary thing, like that, along with the Aquaman stuff. Like that's just stuff that's supposed to be part of the universe. It just is. Like, I know I sound like an old curmudgeon, but Green Arrow and Black Canary is supposed to be together. That's what's supposed to be happening here. You know, I mean, it's just just it. You know, I mean, Diana's character, 
although she's had some fun appearances in Batgirl, she hasn't really she's lost her footing since the New Fifty Two, in my opinion. Right? I love seeing these two back together. I mean, this was one of those moments in the book where, and there were so many moments in this book where I found myself just grinning like an idiot. You know, like I don't even care about the timeline. Like, just fix it. Let's get them back together. Um, yeah, and I think I think it's over the Damien thing. Like, and I think that's also the clock is starting again. The aging clock. You know, um, peak characters are starting to age, and the New Fifty Two. I know they were kind of static with their ages. Um, so I guess the clock's going to start to to run again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was I was very happy about some of those developments. Yeah, you know, as as a, a big shipper, um, the. <laughs> The Dinah and Ollie thing is, uh, well, it's great. Uh, because I think they are one of those couples that really deserves to be together. There's no reason why they shouldn't be. They have such a rich history. And so t- to have, it, it's sad, you know, reading through this and being like, you know, they, they feel like there's some sort of reason, you know, that they know each other and they're not together and they know not that that's super sad. So I'm glad to see them back together. As for Damien, gosh, I feel like he's been 13 for a while already. I don't know why age, I mean, age is just a number heavens, but why does he need to necessarily be 13 in order to be, you know, in the teen Titans? Um, so that's a little bit silly for me. Uh, I don't know if there's a bigger significance to that, uh, but it is good to see Damien smile at the very least. Okay, so with that, that, that's all the TB elements. Now, obviously, we're covering this because there's a much larger repercussion across the DC Universe, which presumably will leak into the Batman Universe. That's why we're covering this in depth. Now, there's a lot of other things that happen inside of this this issue, talking about a variety of other DC characters, some of which, if you only listen to this podcast and you only read Batman comics, you're probably not even going to know that these things are a big deal, but things like um, Ryan Choi um, being involved with Adam at all, uh, Blue Beetle uh, t- with Ted Cord and Jaime Reyes, uh, Aquaman proposing to Mira. There's a lot of different things that happened in that one chapter of the book. The other one, Johnny Thunder uh, hinting at the JSA. There's a lot of things that happened in this book that basically pull back and say hey wait where did all this other stuff go that was so important to some of these characters um some may argue that getting rid of characters like ryan Choi or getting rid of the marriage between aquaman and uh mira aren't that big of a deal but there's a lot of people and i mean a lot of people put me on that list yeah (laughs) vocally who have who were very upset when the new 52 was initially announced because it was getting rid of a lot of these things that just in this one chapter started to reintroduce. So I guess in, in my mind, what do you guys, what does, here's the thing. There's there, you know, the whole point of this issue in my mind was to say that there was a number of things missing. Obviously there was some time that was missing, which we'll talk about that at length, but each chapter was called something, you know, there was the, the chapter of lost, which, basically had to do a time which we'll talk about in a little while but there was the chapter two which was legacy chapter three which is love and chapter four which is life you know each one of these things there's an element life be also potentially being you know in another way hope there's 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 been something missing from the dc universe and and in a way if you listen to the dc uh universe or the dc rebirth 
press re- press uh, conference that happened that they streamed live online. They said this. They said that you know they felt like the the legacy was missing. The 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 ho- there was hope missing and all of this. And the question is, you know, out of everything that was shown out of those elements, what do you think it means for the DC universe? I mean, obviously. Someone has decided outside of obviously inside the DC universe, but somebody editorially wise has decided we messed up. We need to correct ourselves. This is our way of acknowledging that we've we've messed up and this is our way of trying to fix some of the stuff that we made a mistake five years ago. So thoughts on kind of the idea of them basically, you know, within the text of or within the dialogue of the actual comic DC higher ups admitting that they they made a mistake. Hallelujah! I mean, it's all. I mean, listen, this is this is as good as as this issue could have been as far as resetting the table for me. Um, I'm glad we didn't just go with uh, we're just resetting it for no reason. You know what I'm saying? There is a reason here. I'm sure you're going to get into that a little bit, right? Um, this was, I mean. This was great. In fact, I didn't even realize how much little stuff I was missing from the DC. You know what I'm saying? Until like it was like a literally a book of you remember this guy? You remember this guy? You remember this marriage? You remember this group? And I'm like, man, damn. I mean, they really gutted this thing like a fish. Um, I mean, you could literally look at the way it was was wrote here. And I'm not sure this was done on purpose, although I quietly kind of hope it was. Basically, they're saying Dan DiDio is the bad guy who made us do all this stuff. And by doing it, we destroyed the legacy of these characters, which is why you guys love them so much. So now we're just going to fix it. And it's going to be kind of kooky, but you know what? What's the line that John's in there? Hey, in the end, it all worked out, right? Like, it's all good, guys. We went through a rough patch. We made some mistakes, and now we're moving on. Um, I was I couldn't have been happier reading a comic book than, than reading this issue. So I just – I can look past every little fault in the book because – I feel like, you know, I had got really focused on the Snyder Batman stuff. And I love Snyder, don't get me wrong. But, like, so many other times, I used to read Green Arrow pretty much religiously, all the Green Lantern books, which, in my opinion, have been dreadful for a couple years now. Um, and this just kind of seemed like a giant restarting of a, of a universe. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it just, I, I, guess the, I guess I sound like I'm gushing, and I am. I mean, this this seems like... I don't know. It, it, I, I hate to say it, but I think they've named it pretty much perfectly with the word rebirth. Should that always be the answer, though, is like if it's broken, we just need to start over when it's that broken. <laughs> like, like, but I, I don't think they did start over. I think, but see, they here's the thing. It, right. But was it was it really that broken? I mean, like, I'm not like I'm not going to sit here and try to you know argue the fact that this didn't need to happen. But if this didn't happen. Would it have really been that bad based off of what we cover here on the comic cast? Not based off what we cover. Yeah. Not based off what we cover. Um, my sentiments from this are a lot of the DC universe as a whole. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I think that I think that the Batman universe was one of the things that did very well with the New 52. You know what I'm saying? Like, we had really good books. We had some bad at the beginning, the Daniel run on detective and some of the dark night i mean we had some bad but the universe as a whole remember it it survived intact the superman universe didn't the green lantern universe kind of didn't flash universe definitely you know what i'm saying like 
I think we were, if you look at the microcosm of Batman, we were by far the most unaffected ones. And I do like the fact that they don't just go, there's a magic button. There seems to be a plot device here, which, you know, which is why we're linking this stuff together. It's like we used Flashpoint to create the new 52. We didn't just say, hey, we're relaunching all the number one titles because we had yes. Flashpoint, you know. Um, now, you can argue that they did Flashpoint to relaunch. I mean, I understand that. But, but we have a reason here. Uh, and now we have a new reason in, in the rebirth issue. So I don't mind it. I would be I would have been very upset if, if we had relaunched all new number ones and we had just started the continuity all over again again. Right. And just moved on. The multiverse is, is really a part of, of DC Comics as a whole, and I think that the new 52 is going to become kind of like a bubble universe. Uh, maybe they'll call it Earth 52 or what you know or whatever. Um, but I think the fact that we do have a reason here, um, I don't think we have a reason that's fully explored yet. I, we have a reason that is extremely intriguing to me. But I like the fact that we do have a reason. When it's either a crisis or flashpoint, so you can still look at the whole story. Um, I, I would say, arguably, back to Infinite Crisis, the um, or Crisis on Infinite Earths. You can arguably look through there and see all these recreations of the universe, but still see the story of the DC universe as one long story. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Because it's, I mean, that's how I view it too. I think it, the 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 thing is in my mind, like. I definitely agree with you when you say, you know, Flashpoint, they, you know, they may have created the story of Flashpoint in a way to reboot the books. Maybe that was the intent. Maybe it wasn't. It was just a, you know, repercussion from editorial saying this would be a good time to do this. I don't know. But it story wise, yes, Flashpoint, it made sense for them to start the books over with this rebirth issue, it makes sense for them to start the books over. It makes sense. But I guess in my, like, I don't know. I guess, you know, I don't, I'm not familiar with the Marvel stuff. I know that they are well known for rebooting and, and making new number ones. And even more so where I just heard that they're going to be doing it again this fall. And they just did it last year. And it's not even a full year between the new Marvel number now. ones now. Yeah. yeah. So like I don't I don't know what I don't know how that translates. So I don't know if they're you know they have story points where they're actually doing it to the same degree that like what DC has just done. But people I know that when when DC Rebirth came out, the online community was was really enjoying what they were like the story itself. You know, it might have its flaws here and there, but overall they enjoyed what there was what the story was being told. And explanation as to why things are changing the following week in the comics um there's there's a couple of small things that i want to get back to uh, i'll come back to when it when when i talk about uh the new rebirth issues going forward specifically dealing with the dc universe rebirth i have the one thing i have to wonder is was this the plan all along five years ago was this the plan you know when uh, essentially, when Dandio and Jim Lee took over, Jeff Johns was named CCO. And what was this a giant plan? Because I distinctly remember some interview, and I don't have a reference or you know the you know the actual quote that was said. But I want to believe that at some point it was said that Dandio was quoted in saying that there's no reason that they can't reboot their universe every five years because. That's what needs to be done. And it was made around the time of the New 52. And just coincidentally, here we are almost five years later, 
the books are being rebooted. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Story-wise, it makes sense. The explanation makes sense. But if this was their plan all along, was it a good plan? Oh, it wasn't their plan all along, I don't think, right? Well, I, mean, I don't think it was either. I'm just saying, <laughs> but let's just let's just give them the benefit of the Hypothize? doubt. Yeah, and hypothetically say they were brilliant and knew that their market share was going to just go down, 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 down. And that somehow they they predicted all of this and everyone higher than them believed, yes, just keep selling less comics for full a full five years and we'll, we'll get behind this rebirth thing that has to happen five years from now. Just let's hypoth- uh, hypothetically say they knew about this ahead of time and they, you know, before Flashpoint was even over and they said, we're going to reboot the New 52 with the New 52. That let's say five years from now, we're also going to just do a rebirth where we're going to completely change everything back up. Is it a good idea to do something like that, even if it is spread out five years? Or do you think that we, you know, five years from now, are we going to be discussing something very similar where they decide to change it again? You know, that's what, that's the question. Is it a good idea to do this every potentially five years? Go get them, Stella. I didn't really even talk about my thoughts on rebirth this issue i should say uh and i i I do want to at least say that uh as for right now i don't necessarily trust what's happening i think it's too early to tell um i think that it's i have a problem with people ditching things if you are planning on making a huge move and restarting stuff then you need to stick with it no matter what clean up the mess that you have instead of just throwing up your hands saying we did wrong and go back uh i'm fine with you know pre-flashpoint stuff but i don't really know how you keep the stuff that we had and go back there for example batgirl while it started off very slowly has become a great series and so how do you keep this Barbara Gordon that we have now and go back to Flashpoint or, you know, vice versa? Like, what does it mean for some of the characters that you like? Because there are people that are diehard pre-Flashpoint fans that hated New 52 and they'll be super pleased. But what about the people who liked New 52? So I, I think it's too soon to tell. I think it's um, too easy of a play. And I think it's also lazy creative wise. Um, as for is, was this their plan all along? No, I don't think so. I don't think they have as much foresight as we give them credit for. And that's basically my answer. I don't know. Um, I don't know if they're going to ditch what happened with New 52. And I think that's the other we don't know. We see a plot device here, but we don't we don't really know how it's going to affect the majority of the characters yet. I guess I, it is kind of have your cake and eat it too, right? Like, I want to keep the good stuff from New 52, but I don't want to lose the good stuff pre-Flashpoint. It's a valid point, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think we have enough answers yet. I just, I saw so much of what I liked in this book, but I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean... Do you think that we could be walking into a whole room of different possibilities where each character could be cherry-picked and they choose which version of it they want? I think that's exactly what we're going to walk into. I mean, in my mind, it's basically this. Like, looking at the solicitations for some of these books, it really seems like for some of them, they're going to completely shake up the character for the reason that the character really needs a shake-up because it's not working the way it currently is. And other characters, they're going to shake them up because there's a new creative team coming on the book. And it might be the exact same character, the exact same personality that we had, 
you know, during the New 52, but the stories are going to, you know, the situation that the character's in is going to be different, but that's more has to do with the creative change. And then I think there's books that aren't going to really change the tone of the character at all. And, like, literally, as I'm saying these three different options, I can play certain books within those categories. I really don't feel like Batman is really going to change in tone or, you know, the type of book that it previously was. Yes, there's a new creative team coming on board with Tom King and Mikkel Janin and David Finch, but I don't really think that uh, the three of them are really going to change, you know, Bruce Wayne and Batman stories really that much different than what Scott Snyder was doing. I mean, like, it will be a different writer, but I don't know that it'll be that different of the type of stories that we get. But meanwhile, we have Detective Comics, which is going to focus on more of the the family element, you know, the 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 allies of the of Batman, which is not what we did during uh the New 52. That was really the only time we did that was in Batman Eternal. And even there, it wasn't really done all too well. But that's what's going to be happening in Detective Comics. We've got Batgirl, who's going to be ripped out of Burnside. But it seems like it could be the exact same type of, you know, personality, tone of character, just in a different situation because of the creative change. But then we have a book like Green Arrow with Black Canary, which not was non-existent in New 52, where it is going to be, you know, a complete shakeup. So I feel like each title falls into one of those, and I feel like some of the Bat books are going to get a little bit more shakeup than when they when than when the New Fifty Two started, and everybody was super concerned about it because ultimately there was like like you said Ed earlier the there was issues with the New Fifty Two and the Bat books initially when they first started, but there wasn't that many. Uh, they started to show themselves over the first two years with creator changes and things like that and creators leaving the books and things like that. But I think that ultimately it wasn't until about that, you know, end of year two area where some of the books really started being really bad um, with Red Hood and Catwoman and Batgirl. And I think there was, and there's a lot of books that we just were not enjoying because they started to go in too different of a direction. But a lot of those books already did one of these three changes where, whether it was a creative change, complete shakeup with like Batgirl or, you know, just, you know, it stayed the exact same, such as, you know, with Batman and Scott Snyder. All that being said, I think that I too am skeptical as to what's going to happen. Um, I'm, you know, I have no problem. Like this, this issue was great. I read it and thought to myself, wow, this is amazing. I'm so glad that they're recognizing the fact that there was issues, even if some of the issues don't necessarily relate directly to what we cover here. There was there, you know, I used to read Green Arrow, uh, before the New 52 and I stopped after the first year of the New 52 because it just was not enjoyable. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it at all. It was so far removed from the character that existed before the New 52. And I feel like in some ways they probably are going to cherry pick certain things like, uh, you know, maybe somebody's costume stays very similar to what it was in the New 52, such as what we know is going to happen with Batman. The Greg Capullo bat suit's not going to suddenly change because we already know that it's going to be that bat suit in the first couple months at least of the, uh, of rebirth. Um, but then there's other characters like Green Arrow, and I keep seeing Green Arrow because that's one of the first Rebirth titles that are coming out in June, but 
the green arrow, you know, he's, he's going back to the goatee. Um, and you know, there's other, other differences that are going to happen in some of the books. Uh, Nightwing is going, going back to his blue and black and blue costume instead of the Grayson costume, which has been used for the last two years, but also the, uh, the red, the black and red costume as well. So there's a lot of different changes that are occurring, but the question is, will they all make sense and work out? I feel like someone here, and it's, uh, and my assumption is that it's Jeff Johns. He recognizes that there's issues, but because Jeff Johns isn't the one who's running DC comics, I don't know how much of this, you know, him recognizing that there's issues and him dictating that this, this issue, you know, him writing this issue and, and saying that they recognize the issues. I don't know how much of this is actually going to, in the, in the long run, pan out for some of these other titles, since he's not actually the person who's behind the curtain, per se, um, at DC Comics. So you're kind of wondering, I guess, I guess the biggest thing you're wondering is, are they going to have a relapse? Well, yeah, are they going to have a relapse? Is, is, is John's going to go off and do the movies and TV stuff for the next couple of years, and then suddenly they kind of like slowly just shift away from some of these changes that he's clearly saying they need to get back to. The legacy and love thing is a big thing. Like the, the legacy elements with these other characters that either had the role at some other point, uh, the justice society, I think is a, is a huge deal. Um, there's the, and then the love elements, you know, there was that whole, we can't have any superheroes get married. It's, 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 it's never going to happen. Like it, you can't have superheroes who are married because that means they're happy and they can't be superheroes if they're happy. That was Dan DiDio's whole statement like three years ago. And for them to actually have Aquaman propose to Mira and have a chapter entitled Love to actually be told that somehow love is going to be interjected back in or injected back into these titles is promising. But how well is that actually going to play out? I mean, Black Canary is going to be involved with Green Arrow, so kudos to that occurring. But how many of these other characters are actually going to experience, you know, could we potentially, now that Batwoman's actually going to be having a major role in in a series within the pages of Detective Comics, is the potential of her getting married going to be back? I mean, yes, please. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, there's, there's creators who, who, who were very, very upset about the direction that they were going that they were told they couldn't go anymore because of these ridiculously stupid mandates from editorial that are being in some way addressed here in this issue saying we are recognizing that we made the mistake, but are those creators still going to be able to do what really should have been done ages ago? You know, if J.H. Will, I mean, Greg Ruck is coming back and he's going to be on Wonder Woman, but if Greg Rucker was like, sure, I've got a Batwoman story and it's the story of Mag- uh, Maggie and, and Kate getting married, is he actually going to be able to tell that story? Is this something that could actually occur? I don't know if it could because, honestly, they've got a horrible track record with these types of things being promised for a long period of time and then something happening horribly where it doesn't happen. I hope that some of those characters do get – I mean, Maggie and Kate, I mean, just – they should, that, I would wish that it kind of been handled in rebirth a little bit. I think that's a pivotal one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess a lot of it's going to decide is editorial going to let them stick with this and, and, and keep moving forward. And then you have to wonder how much of a plan is there. 
you know, I mean, one of our biggest things are, I'm banging on DC for a while has been the lack of a coherent plan. Is this planned out? Do they have three years of stuff planned out? I mean, I mean, assuming we talk about the big bad reveal, I mean, I'm assuming that's planned out to some degree, you know, I don't know. No, you know, I'm the, the resident chipper of this bunch here, but yes, I'll see it when I believe it. I think, I think you guys are way too optimistic right now. I'm, I'm just feeling so much like Spider-Man, one more day, brand new day situation here. And I was burned very badly on that side that I just feel like this is not going in the way that you believe it's going to go. And I think you're too open-minded. I think there's still going to be some locks and limits down here. It's not like Dan DiDio's out, you know? One could hope. All right. So basically the, the, the last real big thing to talk about here is the reveal of who was behind the time change. Now, it's not obviously shown full on in the title. It's definitely hinted at. Um, through a variety of different things, but basically it's come down to, um, Watchmen, specifically, um, Ozymandias and Dr. Manhattan are the ones behind the horrific things that occurred in the New 52. Now there's a couple different ways you can look at this, this reveal. Um, you can look at the reveal as, you know, Dr. Manhattan, he decided to mess with time and he took away the time that in the timeline. Now, the funny thing is when I read this issue, I was reading this and I was thinking to myself, this basically explains everything. If you remember correctly, at the beginning of the new 52, I was hell bent on trying to understand how 15 years of Batman's career could be condensed into only five years. I was completely in denial as to how it could possibly occur in five years and then keep saying over and over again in interviews, everything that happened has still happened. Nothing's changed. All your favorite stories have still happened. Blah, 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 blah. And I just kept thinking to myself, it's impossible. So much so that for the first, I believe, six months of uh, the New 52, myself and Donovan were trading uh, text back and forth and emails with links to any interview that was pointing to any sort of explanation as to how certain things were still existed within this confined five-year timeline. How can you have a son who's 12 years old in only five years? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. There's no way for it to work. Um, I had hoped that I was going to be able to create a timeline to somehow explain all of this. It never came to fruition specifically because it was impossible. Uh, there was no way for me to explain it. Um, it just wasn't, it wasn't, in, it, it wasn't possible at all. Um, all of that being said, now they're basically saying, Hey, guess what? The reason why it seems like there's time missing is because basically 10 years has been plucked out of the timeline by Dr. Manhattan. He's messed with time within the universe and he has taken 10 years out, and that explains, I mean, right then and there, it explains everything as to how it makes sense, but doesn't make sense, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that this is probably, in my opinion, the most controversial part of the book, which is Watchmen was never part of the DC universe proper at all. And then bringing these characters in, I mean, you've got, got Oz, Ozzy. You got Dr. Manhattan, you have the comedian's badge in the Batcave, which I can't even, 
I don't know how how that happened. Yeah, I don't know how that, I mean, like, I get Dr. Manhattan messing with time, and it looks like, you know, Oz has been around for a little bit now in the Superman titles, being, you know, Mr. Oz, looks like this is Ozymodus. I don't know. I mean, this is the one where I'm not really super opposed to it. I mean, Watchmen has always kind of been its own little thing. I guess that they're going to have, would the prime universe be Watchmen? Would, would they be, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out. I think this is something that we're going to see over the next year, two years, whatever it's going to be. But I think you're probably going to end up with a fight between the Watchmen and, you know, Justice League or whatever. But the other thing is that the Watchmen aren't a cohesive team. And by the end of Watchmen, they're not exactly all getting along. And Comedian's dead. Yeah, so is Rorschach. Yeah, so is Rorschach. So Rorschach's dead. Comedian's dead. Um, I don't know. The thing with Dr. Manhattan makes perfect – I mean, doesn't make perfect sense. But it, it forms enough of a narrative that I go, okay, super all-powerful godlike figure decides to mess with time. Okay, that's, he, destroyed, he took 10 years out. By taking those 10 years out, that's why no one had these relationships. That's why the timelines got all screwed up. Time tried to fix itself and weave itself together as best it could, which is why we had some of these things that could only be described as paradoxes, right? So I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so there was paradoxes. Like the reason why it didn't all make sense was it couldn't all make sense. Okay, I can buy that. I don't know how the comedian – I don't <laughs> – I mean that's – I can handle the Dr. Manhattan part and the Oz part, but it's the other stuff that also makes you wonder, are they going to rewrite Watchmen? Are they going to change what happened in the Watchmen universe? I was a little miffed when I, when I, when I first read it, when I realized I'm like, wow, that's okay. That's, that's down. Yeah, that's going to be Dr. I mean, but I don't know. Um, again, it's, I know this seems to like be the refrain of this podcast, but we don't know enough yet. You know, um, we just don't know. I, I'm interested. I think that it could be great, but, with John's gone, I'm not sure who the writer is going to be that's going to weave this narrative. Uh, I agree with you. I love Snyder, but he's not the guy to do it. I, I don't know who out of the current stable of, of DC writers you're going to have tackle this. I mean, Azarello, maybe. I just don't know who who would be the person that would step forward and, and, and do this. Rucka, Rucka, and Azarello. I don't, I don't know. Think that, I don't think there really is anybody. Even if they were to bring somebody back like Grant Morrison, I don't know that Grant Morrison would want to take on the Watchmen. The Watchmen are. It's an Alan Moore special. Yeah, and, and they're they're a group that not a lot of people even want to like have anything to do with, um, for a variety of different reasons. One of them being that they have nothing to do with the DC universe. So, like whatever you do, yes, you can do it, and it affects that little thing. Like they had the before Watchmen miniseries. I didn't read them. I didn't you know pick them up or anything like that. So I don't really know anything that happened. I know that they didn't sell all that well. Badly. Um, but I did, I did hear that, uh, the, at the end of the Before Watchmen Dr. Manhattan miniseries, this picking up time and messing with time was actually hinted at in the final pages of the issue, which plays into that, did they actually think about this all along, or is John's just this ridiculously talented master storyteller who has somehow linked all of these different things cohesively to make sense? I, I, I mean, like, I don't know, I, I'm giving Johns the benefit of the doubt because I have a hard time believing that anybody at DC has planned, you know, planned something this massive yeah. over this 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 long of a period of time. In my mind, I'm just sitting here thinking like I don't think that the Watchmen. Like I feel like eventually it will get brought up, but I can't think, can't even comprehend who could do this. 
Um, well, I, don't, I can't. Think I don't. Any DC there's a writer in the stable right now. Yeah, I don't think there's one DC writer right now outside of Johns who's not even going to be writing anything for the foreseeable future that could potentially do this and make it work. Um, and that's not to say anything bad. It's just this is not something that should be taken lightly. And I don't see like you know Scott Snyder's a great writer, but Scott Snyder writes. This isn't stuff his deal. That's his own yeah, stuff. this is. Yeah, this isn't his deal. He won't even play with Damien, yeah. <laughs> much less every character in the DC universe. Like, um, I don't know. Stella, did, did you read Watchmen? What do you think about this Watchmen craziness? I, I think it's, it's making it more, more complicated than it needs to be, frankly. Like they, I, they're, they're going out of their way to create sort of a villain in this situation. Um, and I think the easiest answer would have just been to go back, you know, to Flashpoint and somehow tie it back into that. Um, I guess they want all their, you know, DC property, Warner Brothers property to be in the same little boat now. But I don't know how people feel for, you know, the Watchmen to be the villains of this particular story, which, you know, Ozymandias isn't necessarily the cleanest character, but um, I, I saw a news report that, you know, the creators weren't even aware that they were going to be used in this fashion, which I find pretty interesting. I, I did see that too. It was Dave Gibbons who said that Alan Moore hasn't said a word because nobody talks to Alan Moore anymore because he's, and he's nuts. in a hut. Yeah. But, um, but Dave Gibbons, he, he was at a comic convention right after Rebirth, the weekend after Rebirth release, and he had said that they never talked to him. But my understanding as the explanation behind that is before they did before Watchmen, it had something to do with the movie rights. If they wanted to get a cut of the, the film proceeds, they basically had to sign the rights to Watchmen to DC, you know, away to DC Comics. So that, and that, that's what prompted them to be able to do the before Watchmen, you know, miniseries back in whatever it was, 2012. Um, so that's my understanding. I don't know that the creators have to be, you know, someone who created, God forbid, someone wanted to use Ventriloquist in something, the crappy version with Freddy. I'm not talking about Arnold Wesker. I'm talking about the weird version of Gail Simone. They don't have to go to Gail Simone and say, hey, I want to use your character. DC has the you know rights to that character. They can use the character. And then Gail Simone just gets a royalty. That's basically how it works. So you know, the creator saying, well, they didn't say anything to us about it. It's kind of a mute point because they don't need to say anything to them about it. Uh, that's Maybe my... bringing Gibbons in might be a good choice, though. Well, they did bring Gibbons in for the Before the Watchmen stuff, and then he complained about all that stuff after that happened. So he's probably not going to be brought in for anything anymore. That's probably true. Yeah. I don't know. I just... The, the, the one problem I have with this. And like I said, I could look back in three years and think this is the coolest thing in the history of the world. But there's a part of me that says DC in the DC proper universe, and this kind of dovetails with Stella, has enough all-powerful godlike figures, right? That the guardians of Oa, uh, um, the new gods, uh, bring. let's go back to Christ of the Infinite Earth, bring Wayrider in. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's enough all-powerful DC characters that I wonder if we wouldn't have been better served by using one for the main universe. Does that make you know what I'm saying? Like I we got all seen. We got all I powerful get, gods. Let's use one of our all-powerful god-like people. And I get that. I think, but the thing is, like, if they were to use one of the existing characters, would we have really gotten the you know the no, holy no. crap moment that we got here? I don't think that would have happened. I mean, like. To be led on to, led to believe that it's, you know, 
nobody knows what this, you know, who it is, who's behind all of this. And then just it kind of pop up at the, you know, last pages of the issue, um, and revealed and it, who it is. It's kind of like a, oh my God, seriously? I mean, it, it was a genuine into surprise. The DC universe? Exactly. And, and I think that's the thing. I mean, like, I can appreciate the surprise element here. Um, I don't have the problem with the Watchmen being brought in. I mean, like, I, I guess to a degree, I guess I'm not as attached to them being separate as, you know, you guys seem to be. But for me, like, I read, I read the, the graphic novel in one sitting prior to the film coming out. Um, so good. It's so good. It is, it is really good. Like, I was blown away by how good it really was. But prior to that, I hadn't, I hadn't read it, hadn't known anything about Watchmen. Only jumped on the wagon of, of Watchmen because I knew the movie was coming out and I definitely wanted to read it before the movie came out. Read it, was blown away by how good it was. So good. Watched the movie, not as good. And that was basically the gist. But like, I'm not, like, I wasn't thrilled when they said they were going to do before Watchmen miniseries. I didn't really care. Um, you know, some of the stuff that they did for, uh, when the movie came out, they did, uh, some, shorts and they did an animated uh tales of the black freighter where it was just the story of the black freighter they did another one where it was like the uh it was a it was a short but i it was like a special feature i think it was for the watchmen where they showed like the history of some of the you know the original watchmen characters um from the past and i have to wonder to myself you know when when i was watching that stuff i was like this stuff's good I don't, I didn't really like the stuff that they changed in the movie, but like, I don't sit here and think to myself, it's, you know, sacrilegious to bring Watchmen into the DC universe. I don't, I, I, I don't think it's sacrilegious. I just think it's such a shocker. Like, sometimes it takes a while to wrap your, you know what I'm saying? Like, to wrap my mind around this is a little bit of a shocker. There is also some of this, there are, we have a really crappy track history with going back to amazing classic one-off stories. And when then when you try to fiddle with them, screwing them up, Dark Knight Strikes Again, see Dark Knight Strikes Again, right? Like, some of these, cla- uh, they look, look even in the Batman universe again, Gotham by Gaslight, amazing, Master of the Future, awful, right? I think there's always that, like, you want more of a good, when you get a good thing, you want more of a good thing. Uh Miller's Red Sun's amazing, as much as I'm like, I want a sequel, I don't know if I really want a sequel, you know what I'm saying? Um... I think I have some trepidation because it was such an amazing one-off story that my my fear is it would tarnish it in some way. Only because we have a bad – like I said, I could be totally wrong. And it definitely was a – I can't remember the last time I was that genuinely shocked reading – you know what I'm saying? Reading a comic book going, holy – you know. Um, so there's a lot of good to, to the Watchmen part. I just – I would hate to see them become – I'd hate to see it become a caricature of the original story. Does that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I agree with that. The, the other underlying element of this is, is that because the Watchmen were particular, were in the story at least, the villains and the reason why everything got messed up with the New 52, in some ways, this is also kind of talking about the fact that the Watchmen, you know, series that came out in the 80s changed the tone of comics going forward. Um, oh yeah, that's not even arguable. Yeah. So oh, man. The, yeah. So in some ways, the comic is actually kind of blaming the Watchmen 
for what has occurred in the New 52, even if it's not a direct, you know, the Watchmen are the reason why everything's so dark and gritty, they're basically doing that in a weird, you know, context way where they're basically saying the Watchmen are to blame for the New 52. Um, I wanted to get your guys' <laughs> thoughts on that because the New 52 was obviously very dark, very gritty, no hope, no love, no legacy, and in some ways, them having the Watchmen as the big bad behind all of this, they're kind of saying, in a way, guess what? The Watchmen, who came out, you know, in the 80s, they were the ones who shifted everything in comics. They're the ones to blame for this. Thoughts on, you know, the the context that is presented in that way? I... I mean, I feel like it's sort of the same question as, as the other one, right? You know, um, why are the Watchmen in this, in this particular story? Um, I was spoiled on it. I guess it took too long to read DC Rebirth. So that's why I knew that they were coming into play. I just feel like it's two different universes for me. I feel like it's, you know, the DC universe and then the Watchmen verse. And I feel like it's never really been connected at all. So I I don't know why now is the time necessarily. And I don't know if those two universes necessarily match up. Um, I don't know if DC is taking a playbook from Secret Wars when they basically mashed all of the universes together. Who knows? Um, As for, you know, do the tones match up? I think we've started to see the new 52 brighten up a little bit. Uh, that's not to say it's all, you know, Pleasantville out there in, in New 52, but I, I don't think it's as dark as it was when it was first uh, at its inception. So, um, I mean, you know, again, there there's so many dangers surrounding this because if you bring Watchmen into it, I think we're, we're about to hit – it will go darker again, basically. Uh, you're not going to see a bright Watchmen. So I think that, if anything, they would change the tone to fit with uh, bringing those characters in. I am not good enough to drop a Pleasantville reference. That's that's <laughs> that's pretty strong. Uh. That's, that's pretty strong. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I kind of agree. Like, the tone was dark. I, I do hope we lighten up. I don't want every – and everything, too. Like, I don't want every every book to be Babytown Frolics, right? Um I do think we had some, you know, especially at the end, we did have some more fun, lighthearted books. Uh, Harley Quinn's lighthearted, uh, the Batgirl run, right? Uh, Gotham Academy. Um, they were some more of those lighthearted books in there. I think that DC struggles, like every comics publisher, like every book publisher. I mean, hell, some characters almost have to be in the dark. You can't have uh, a Batman book that's slap and tickle. Will this herald more darkness? I hope not. I do think that everyone in the world hates Alan Moore, and I don't know if someone quietly thought laying this at Alan Moore's doorstep might be moderately funny outside of his hut, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I guess again, I, I know I hate to say it again, but time will tell. And I think that's ultimately what it comes down to for this title. Time will tell. Um, I think we've all agreed that we're hesitant about what is to come. We hope for the best, but TC has not had a great track record. Um, but if you base off the future of DC Comics off this one issue, I think it looks super bright, but it's a matter of not necessarily this one issue, but how things play off, play out in the next couple months. And I will say this, I completely understand Stella's concerns, 
and maybe I'm being willfully ignorant, but I am just choosing to hope for the best. Does that make any, you know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. I just hope everyone's wrong and I hope it's cool. All right. So for this issue, I'm going to give it four out of five. I'm going to give it five out of five. Two and a half out of five. <laughs> All right. And over on the website, Ian gave it four. So that's going to give DC Universe Rebirth, number one, a total of four out of five batarangs. That is all of our books. Let's jump over into Greater Gotham. We have a number of books from the month of May, so we're going to breeze through these as quick as possible. Uh, first off, starting on the week of May 4th, we have Batman Superman number 32. The Trinity unites to try and find the imposter Superman previously seen in Metropolis. After a brief confrontation with the group of Chinese superheroes, the heroes team up to discover that Superman's discharged solar energy has gone into an experiment to create a Chinese Superman. This is part five of the current Superman story arc, The Final Days of Superman. And this was reviewed by Bill he gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Mm, neutral. Neutral. Next up, Batman Beyond number 12. Tim faces off the, vil- the villain Rewire. Unfortunately, Tim's suit fails and Rewire is not alone. This was viewed by Jim. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 New Suicide Squad number 20. Even with the Suicide Squad coming together as a team and getting reinforcements from Amanda Waller, the spirit of... The, the, the release of the spirit of murder and the insane Adam Reed may still make this their final mission. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Neutral. Injustice Gods Among Us, year five, number nine, which includes digital chapters 17 and 18. This, uh, despite the help from his new friend, Bizarro learns the hard way about how powerful he really is and the consequences of his action. Growing dissent within the regime helps to highlight Clark's true colors as a tyrant. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it 3 out of 5. I'm going to give this one neutral. Thumbs down. Neutral. And then the DC Universe books, uh, Midnighter number 12. The series comes to a close as Midnighter teams up with Apollo, Spiral, and the Suicide Squad to finish the battle the series has been leading to. And then also over in Flash number 51, the Riddler makes an appearance in the issue as a villain who holds the city hostage until Flash reveals his identity. Moving over to May 11th, uh, starting off with Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 6. It all comes to an end when Batman, Robin, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles attempt to stop Shredder and Ra's al Ghul from unleashing an army of mutated villains from the confines of Arkham Asylum. This was reviewed by Ryan. He gave it 3.5 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Red Hood Arsenal number 12. Arsenal has been caught by the Iron Rule and is in trouble. Red Hood is the only one who can save him from Joker's daughter. Jim reviewed this. Three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Thumbs down. Mm, neutral. Harley Quinn and her gang of Harleys number two as Harley is held captive by Harley Sin. The gang of Harleys start to send their loved ones to safety in preparation for the battle with Sin. This was reviewed by Jerry. He gave it... Three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Neutral. Catwoman number 52. Selina discovers how her ex-lover escaped death to rise to the top of the false face society as the mysterious faceless mask wreaks more carnage across Gotham. Uh, This was reviewed by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 
Gotham Academy number 18, the first semester of Gotham Academy, closes with Maps and Olive chasing down their yearbook, Stolen by Robin. This was reviewed by Ian. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Uh, neutral. And then the DC Universe books included Earth 2 Society number 12, Huntress, uh, Helena Wayne alongside Flash, and Supergirl attempt to stop Steel from moving on the frontier. A new Gotham, Batman, as Dick Grayson has locked Nimbus up and rallies fellow wonders to help what, wherever they are needed. When over in Starfire number 12, despite having a TV character appear on the cover, Dick Grayson is not referenced in the entire issue, nor is any other TV elements. Uh, next, we move over to May 18th. Robin, son of Batman number 12, as Damien battles for the fate of the world. Surindarga attempts to replace the final item stolen during the Year of Blood. It all comes down to Robin, Batman, Maya, and Talia battling against monsters and the Darga clan to stop, to stop utter annihilation. This was viewed by Ryan. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one neutral. Thumbs down. Neutral. Harley Quinn number 28. Harley and Red Tool's nuptials take a violent turn to absolutely no one's surprise as they both face a new menace. Can they work together to survive the mayor's vengeance? This was viewed by Jerry. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Neutral. Poison Ivy, Cycle of Life and Death, number five. Ivy's sporlings have grown up and want to spread their limbs and experience life. However, Gotham City is full of danger for the inexperienced plant creatures. This is reviewed by Jerry. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. It's really good. Titans Hunt number eight. All the Titans are finally reunited with their in their battle with Mr. Twister. In order to defeat them, they must embrace who they are now and leave the past behind. This was reviewed by Jim. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Injustice Gods Among Us, year five, number ten, uh, digital chapters 19 and 20. After arriving in Lex's lab, Bizarro learns more about his origin. Lex misleads him into going into the Fortress of Solitude where he battles both Doomsday and Superman. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 And there was no DC Universe books. And then finally, on May 25th, the books that released, we started, uh, this was the first week we started a new way of doing our rumor, uh, our review roundup where we break books into uh, four different categories, main TBU books, secondary TBU books, which include miniseries and digital firsts, main DC Universe books, which involve TBU characters and elements, and secondary DC Universe books, which involve TBO cameos. Um, so starting off with the TBU books, Grace number 20, Dick offers himself to Daedalus to free Helena, which is accepted. Dick in turn battles Daedalus. Daedalus inside of his own head using the different versions of himself. After defeating Daedalus, Dick has completely completed his mission at Spiral and returns to his role as Nightwing. This was reviewed by Corbin. He gave it four to five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Batgirl number 52. Team Batgirl teams up with Olive Silverlock and Maps Mizuguchi to take down Gladius once and for all. This was reviewed by Don. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Uh, thumbs up, but still some, you know, it's not the best. With the reservations? Yeah. We are Robin number 12. When there is a break-in at the Wayne Penthouse, the Robins must come together to stop one of their own. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 As far as secondary TBU books, Batman 66 meets the man from Uncle number six, which includes digital chapters 11 and 12. Final issue, the dynamic duo Batgirl and the men from UNCLE try to escape from Dr. 
Hugo Strange's undersea lair before they are brainwashed into join, joining Thrush. This is reviewed by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Moving over into the main DC Universe books, Justice League number 50. The Justice League must now contend with Grail's anti-life Steve Trevor, as well as the child of Superwoman, even when the dust settles following this battle, an even greater threat appears on the horizon. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Neutral. Teen Titans number 20. Metro Troll 93 creates the Legion of Dumb website to poke fun at supervillains. Batman finds this site, and because Red Robin is also targeted, orders, to, orders Tim to deal with the issue before he has to do it himself. Tim finds the villain's brain and Mansoor Mahala as they are able to control Wonder Girl to attack Tim. This is reviewed by Jim. He gave it four to five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 And finally, the secondary DC Universe books, uh, Suicide Squad, Most Wanted, Deadshot, and Katana. On the Deadshot side of the story, we see how Deadshot escaped Belle Reeve. He visits his daughter and promises to move her to Australia, but first he has some unfinished business. Waller leaks that Lawton is still alive, and Evans discovers this and attacks the orphanage, kidnaps Floyd's daughter, and kills the others while leaving a letter for Floyd Lawton. Over on the Katana side, the Suicide Squad and Katana invade the Cobra Ark. Lord Naha Naha reveals his plan to use the body of Violet Harper as the host of the immortal living energy called Arukalo and uses her as a weapon of Cobra. Violet becomes the host, but in the process attacks Katana Enchantress. In retribution, Arukala now seeks revenge for the pain it now feels in Violet. Secret 6, number 14, Leia Shiva commands Strix to take out her team, but she refuses. Catman gets stabbed, but lives, and Strix battles Shiva until they call a truce because everyone is a killer. Four months later, Catman and Big Shot build Strix a treehouse, and they have decided to all go straight. Justice League 3001, number 12. Tina sung this time versions, this time's version of Batman slash Robin makes an appearance as the Justice League takes on the future version of the Injustice League. Oh, and somehow she gets sent back to, in time, to the 21st century where she is looking forward to meeting Batman. Deathstroke number 18. Deathstroke and his kids have set up shop in Nanda Parbat at the invitation of Ra's al Ghul. While Rose and Jericho train with the League of Assassins, Deathstroke takes out members of a rival's gang. And finally, over in The Flash, number 52, the Riddler's reign of terror in Central City is ended when The Flash takes him down. So that is all of the books that happened in the month of May. We won't have, obviously, that month, that many going forward because we'll be back on schedule in the coming weeks. Uh, that's going to bring us straight into our uh, Bat Signal listener Q&As. So first up, Munch Screamer says, seeing as you ask for opinions on whether to continue reviewing Dark Knight 3, of course you should continue reviewing it. I also have a feeling that Batman is about to take on a more central role so that you should, so that should keep Dustin on side. Uh, this is not the first comment or the last comment that's going to say we should keep DK3, so I guess we'll be keeping DK3 for the foreseeable future. Huzzah. Jerry says, regarding Batman 66, according to my local comic book story, they never had to worry about ordering too many issues of the old title because they were all single-story books, and there would always be a kid or parent that would buy them even months after they were released. With The Man from U.N.C.L.E., Minnie, that isn't the case. It's a continuing story. I wonder if the markets 
if the markets that this title serves, kids too young for the other Batman titles and old nostalgic guys like me, are more strategically important than just the pure sales numbers. So even if sales are low, they will keep it going. I'm not sure how the economics of the digital to comics to trade sales affects the publishing decision. Batman 66 must be an unusual case because apparently, even though the monthly book sales are modest, DC thinks that they can make more money off the franchise as a whole. Personally, I like the Man from Uncle series more than the original Batman 66. I have added it to my monthly hard copy pull list. Good story. Very fun and turns out, turns the cheese factor up to 11. I haven't even seen Batman attacked by a purple octopus in a while and I forgot how fun it was. Alright, so basically my take on this is the reason why they keep making Batman 66 is because they have to keep Batman 66 fresh in people's minds. The original Batman 66 main series that has now ended, they've replaced with these mini series. This one was, this, this past six months was the man from uncle. Uh, going forward for the next six months at least, we, we have the Avenger, the TV Avengers, Steed and Mrs. Peel. Um, so I'm guessing that there, it's more of like keeping a franchise out there. Maybe there's some sort of project in the pipeline regarding Batman 66. I don't know. The television series has already been released. I don't know if there is something, but if there is, that would explain why they keep doing it, especially since this, this next mini-series that's coming out uh, in June, um, it was originally announced way back last July, and there's no reason they would have waited uh, almost a year to release it other than they just needed to space out these minis to make sure that there's still Batman 66 stuff coming out. My only thought could be it must be selling well in digital, but since they won't release the numbers, we'll never know. All right. Terry says, I have to say that I thought Batman number 51 was perfect, was the perfect end to the Snyder Capullo run when I went back and read issue number one again with issue number 51 and they work so nicely together. I almost wonder if Snyder didn't write the script for 51 years ago and just had it sit in a drawer for a while until they were ready to end their time on the title with a few edits here and there to incorporate a few of the different story points. Probably not, but that is how well the two work together as a whole. There was a lot of Snyder putting the toys back in the box in this issue too with Batman, Gordon, and Alfred all getting those moments. And while I've mentioned this before, I think Alfred got such such short shrift during the Super Heavy Eternal 2 storylines, he even just kind of disappeared from the We Are Robin title where he had been the one orchestrating things at the beginning of that title, something that wasn't mentioned at all in Robin War either, by the way. What was even the point of cutting off his hand? Was he just moping around the mansion during Super Heavy until Bruce broke into his room towards the end of the arc? Did he not want to try to provide some sort of support to the Bat family during Eternal? We all have characters that we are upset that we are upset about when they are completely left out of stories for no apparent reason, but I feel like Alfred has been getting a lot of that lately, even outside of the Snyder stuff. He was more of a present he was more of a presence during Nightfall when he wasn't even there because his absence had consequences. Even Batman Beyond has more Alfred in it because of the computer AI system. It just baffles my mind sometimes that writers and creators who seem to have such a good grasp on the character of Batman could so misunderstand or worse just ignore other parts of the mythos. Also, just a quick note about the ambiguous fall schedule for Rebirth. Most of these titles at least have definitive months for the release, if not specific dates. All-Star Batman, which you mentioned a few times, is set for August. All right, so in regards to Alfred, I think, I mean, Alfred is definitely a character who a lot of people haven't focused on. I I thought it was strange that they did focus on 
Alfred in the pages of We Are Robin, but then that completely fell off. To me, that didn't make any sense. I mean, they never really explained why he was around, what his reason for orchestrating this We Are Robin, you know, uh, cause was. But then just kind of like in 51, just giving his hand back, it just, it, it, it definitely cements that nobody really cares about Alfred right now. I will say this about the Snyder point, though. I think, Dustin, you've probably read these interviews. Snyder had mentioned this idea of capping his run with One Quiet Night multiple times over the past couple of years. Oh, yes. I, I think that he may have had, if not the every story beat, I think he'd had this plan for years. Um, I remember even back in Death of the Family, I'm talking about, well, when I finally end this thing, I'm, you know what I'm saying? So I think that, that you're, you're closer to not, man. I mean, I, I think that, yeah, I think he had this in mind for a really long time. I think with Alfred's hand, magic hand coming back and all that, I think that's a product of Rebirth. I think if we hadn't had Rebirth and Snyder had still been the captain of the Batman book, I think things would have largely progressed the way they were with Alfred. I'm not saying I agree with that. I, I, I think Alfred's a pivotal character in the universe, but let's face it, Snyder was going to do, I think he was going to keep that, just putting him in the back self. And I think Julia was going to take over for that role. Um, and I think if there hadn't been for Rebirth, it probably wouldn't have changed. All right. Next, Bob says, Hey guys, for what it's worth, I think one reason I make sure to tune in every month is because you guys hold the line for us. Let us know what to pursue and what's not good. And I, for one, take your opinions on Batman seriously, so please keep covering DK3. Even if it sticks to this, this schedule and it's still running when Justice League Part 2 hits theaters, please continue. Also, Dustin, I think Gerard Way would be frustrated or is that amused by the fact that you cite him as the lead singer of Fallout Boy as he's the lead singer of My Chemical Romance. Although when I really stop and think about it, there's probably not a huge difference as to who gets behind either of those bands, not for me by the record. Thanks as always, Ed. Wick Div is amazing. Agreed. Wicked and Divine is amazing, and everyone should read it. The uh, the follow-up boy comment, I had no idea what band he was in. I just knew he was in a band. My my fellow co-host told me it was Fallout Boy. As it turned out, we're, we're all wrong, which is fair. Good point. We like fact-checkers on this podcast. Don't let us get away with That's saying true. stuff that isn't true. true. All right, and our last comment comes from Bill. He says, despite it not feeling like a Batman-focused story, I do think it's important that Dark Knight 3 is discussed. The universe as a whole offers interesting possibilities, and that's what I'm holding out for. As far as reading Red Hood following Rebirth, I hope that he returns to being the true anti-hero. I want him to go back to killing criminals and finding Batman like he did with Dick and Damien when they were Batman and Robin. The whole undercover thing just does not hold any interest for me, especially after Batman and Robin Eternal. Regarding Batman number 51, I personally thought it was a great send-off issue, but I think the emotional pull was lessened because Snyder isn't really leaving Batman. He's still very much connected, so it doesn't really feel like he's saying goodbye. Had DC held off on announcing All-Star Batman or launched it a year from now, the issue would have felt like a definitive farewell for, from Snyder and Capullo. I understand why they wanted to make sure people knew Snyder was sticking around, but I think putting him on a completely different character outside of TBU would have been a smarter move. Don't get me wrong, I do love Snyder's Batman stories. Another vote for Death of the Family here, Ed. Oh! I think his all-star Batman story would have a much bigger impact had it been released a year or so of a, out, or a, after a year or so of a Snyder-less Gotham. Any thoughts, predictions on how bar, how Rebirth will come about? Well, I, I don't think we have to give any predictions about Rebirth because I think we did that pretty extensively for almost an hour earlier. but 20 minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. But uh, basically, 
when it comes to the the stuff, the the emotional pulls uh, in Batman Fifty One, I agree. I, I mean, part of it probably is the fact that it just does not feel like he's he's leaving. But just in in my mind, like I I think it was a good issue. Uh, you know, Batman Fifty One, it was it was definitely a good issue. I just didn't feel like it was really a send off. Like it was a good issue. But I didn't feel like it was a send-off. It was anticlimactic. It was extremely anticlimactic. Yeah. But I think in some ways, and I I can't sit here and say that it's specifically due to the fact that I knew he was going to be on All-Star Batman. Because I don't think really that's it. I think it was just, you know, I was looking for something really more emotional. And and the, the thing is, like, looking at Snyder's past work, I don't know that Snyder can actually pull off that super emotional elements that other writers like Peter Tomasi have been able to do. Um, that's not to say he couldn't, but I just looking at all of his previous work on within the confines of the Batman universe there, you know, that's Black not Mirror, his there was a, yeah. yeah, Black Mirror, there was a couple small things dealing with, you know, Gordon and James Jr. But I don't, the, it's just not what he does. So like it didn't, it didn't do that, but it, I don't think it was. Ex- I didn't expect it to do that. I think it was just meant to be, you know, a good cap on their their work, not necessarily supposed to be that emotional pull. No, I, I think it was just, yeah, I think it was just this cute little story that they'd kind of dreamed up, and since they are who they were, they could do it. All right. So with that, that is everything for this episode. Now I, I failed to mention this at the beginning of the podcast, um, but uh, we are still raising funds for the website. And the podcasts, uh, if you listen to any of the multitude of podcasts that we have to offer, whether it be obviously what you're listening to now or whether it be the Batman Universe podcast, Bat Fans, Bruce Wayne's World, Back of the Oracle, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake. If you listen to any of those shows, we host a ton of shows and we try to host all of these shows without plaguing our websites with a ton of advertisements and things like that. Um, we have been trying to do a much better job of reporting news throughout the week and things like that to really drive more traffic to the website. We have reviews. Uh, we have a huge staff of people who are reviewing stuff. Every single book that is part of the Batman universe or touches a Batman universe character is getting reviewed, um, with rebirth starting in June. So we have more books than ever before that are being reviewed on a weekly basis, um, so definitely check out the website, but all this costs money. Um, the traffic to the website is, is great. There's tons of people listening to the podcast, which is also awesome, but that means that we have to have servers to support all of the traffic and uh, bandwidth that, that it's, that is required for the website and the podcast to exist. So if you go to the website, uh, you scroll down just a little bit on the right hand side of the website. There is a, on the sidebar, there's a spot that says TVU server cost drive. Um, basically we're raising up some funds to pay the large bill that we have for the year for the server. Um, the goal is to, you know, get a hundred percent before the end of the summer. Uh, currently we're sitting at about 30% or a little bit higher than 30%. So if you can donate, whether it be $5, whether it be $10, $20, any amount whatsoever, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. We obviously don't 
charge or ask for any money. We've never asked for money up until this point. All that we ask is, you know, maybe spend, if you, if you have the ability to spend a little bit of money that you would put towards comics, but you've decided, you know, that our synopses of some of these comics that you are no longer reading are good enough. Maybe take the, you know, five bucks that you put towards two comics or six bucks you put towards two comics and donate it to us to help keep us afloat uh, going forward. We enjoy what we do and we are going to continue to do TBU, um, but it costs, it costs money. And that's, that's ultimately we want to make sure we're still here for you guys. So we're asking for you guys to help us out. Um, also, in addition to that, if you are interested in uh, helping out with TBU in any way, shape or form, be sure to email us at tbu at thebatmaneuniverse.net, whether it be um, in relation to raising funds, if you have an idea, or you would like to get involved with working with TBU on a project or something like that, uh, we're all ears. Just email us. Uh, be sure to check out all the other podcasts we have to offer. There's new episodes releasing every week from one of the multitude of podcasts that we, that we offer. In addition to that, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman Universe. Leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And be sure to leave your comments in the comments section below the website so that we can read your comments on a future episode. Uh, getting back into June, we're going to be back every two weeks. Uh, there is a, June is a five Wednesday month. So that will break it up a little bit where we'll have uh, a one extra week break towards the end of the month. But all that aside, uh, we will be back on track and producing two episodes per month going forward for Rebirth. We will be covering in-depth uh, reviews for Detective Comics, Batman. When All-Star Batman launches in August, we'll also cover that. And then whenever DK3 decides to come out, we'll cover that as well. So with that, that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. And this is Stella. You've been listening to the Batman vs. Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.